With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yo, Beth. Yo, Beth. Yo, Beth. That's On a Friday! It's all leaving with your boy Barry Grant. You can catch me on Instagram and Twitter at All Even Podcast. You can listen to the show on SoundCloud as well as YouTube. So like, share, and subscribe to that. It's a lovely Friday. We got a packed show. We're talking about NBA playoff basketball. We had some great games over the week. We got some good games coming up today. We're going to talk about those games as well as preview the ones that are going on tonight. The Nets have a new head coach. I'll share my thoughts and put in my two cents about that. NFL news. You got news out of Washington. A legend has been cut. Cam Newton is a happy man today. Deshaun Watson may have to turn his name into Mr. Bagman. Leonard Fournette signs with a team. And the greatest segment on the planet, Dummy of the Week. So let's just jump right into it. The NBA just keeps giving us great games in this bubble. This bubble playoff has been tremendous. We had some great games over the week, but I want to talk about a few games here. I want to talk about Toronto and Boston. I want to talk about the Clippers game one against the Nuggets. I want to talk about game seven between the Rockets and the Oklahoma City Thunder. And then we're going to preview some second round matchups. The first game I want to preview is game three between the Toronto Raptors and the Boston Celtics. Toronto wins this game in a shocker, 104-103. It was a tight game throughout. Kemba Walker had a great game for the Boston Celtics. He had 29 points, 3 rebounds, 3 assists. Jalen Brown had 19-12. and 12. Tatum struggled with his shot. He had 15-9 and nine rebounds. For the Toronto Raptors, Van Fleet and Kyle Lowry, they led the way. Lowry had 31 points. Van Fleet had 25. Pascal Siakam struggled a little bit. He had 16, 7 rebounds. And the closing seconds of the game was crazy. I saw Kemba Walker break down the defense. He had two guys suck to him. No-look pass in the paint to Daniel Tice. Tice dunks it, puts them up one. And we have .5 seconds to go. And then this happened. Series on the line. Adonobi got it off and it goes. Did it count is the question. OG Adenobi buries a triple at the buzzer. Just an absolutely great pass by Kyle Lowry. Let's see Ruling if he on got the floor, it a successful up. field goal. Kyle Lowry over the top. Gasol just screened in enough. That ball's gone, it's I clean. think. It's That's a game in and a great winner. Great shot by OG Ananobi, but an incredible pass by Kyle Lowry. OG Ananobi hits the game-winning three in the corner. He had 12 points and 10 rebounds. What a finish to this game in a shocker. I could not believe what the hell I was watching. I thought Kemba Walker put the seal on this. This was a wrap. 
Boston was going to go up 3-0, and a Derek Fisher moment happened. The pass that Kyle Lowry did, man, it was on the money. I'm talking about Brett Favre, Peyton Manning, Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady type of accurate passing. And my, my only question is that why were they overloading so much? Why would you overload to the point where somebody is wide open? That's just overthinking to me by Brad Stevens. I think that when you're as smart as he is, he's thinking about every particular position and saying to himself that the percentage of this particular pass being perfect and on point is less than 10%. So I'm going to take my chances by overloading here because if we can get Taco Fall to kind of disrupt what's going on, the pass is going to go awry, it's going to go off, it's going to go left. It doesn't get to OG on a newbie. Or it gets to him and he has to shuffle and 0.5 seconds is gone. So I understand the thinking behind it. But just play the man. Play your man because if everybody gets to play their man and plays their man to perfection, that shot doesn't get off. That shot doesn't come off. So we're having a different story. We're saying Boston is up 3-0 with a stranglehold in the series instead of being up 2-1 and Toronto having some confidence going into game four. I don't think that Boston is worried. I just think that they understand and know that they let one slip. That overthinking the situation cost them to lose this game. Brad Stevens will learn from this. He's a very intelligent coach. He's great at making the adjustments. So I'm not worried about them coming out in game four and really being aggressive and proving that this series should definitely be over in four games. That's how they're going to come out. They are going to come out and put their stamp and put their dominance on the Raptors because they're a better team. The Celtics know they're better. You can see the confidence. You can see how Kemba was working. You can see how, although Jason Tatum's shot was working, the type of shots that he was trying to make. You can see Jalen Brown's confidence, Marcus Smart. They know that they can beat this Toronto Raptors team. And this Raptors team, they played their asses off. They played hard, and they got lucky. They got lucky. They understand that they stole one here. I'm talking about criminal, robbing a bank type of stealing. They stole this game, and can they build on this? Can they get some confidence from this? I wouldn't really be confident because if we won a game like this and we had to play so hard, to still end up in a position where we have to make a miracle shot to win the game, there's no way I could be confident going into game four. There's just no way. But they're the defending champs. They are scrappy. They don't give up. I like that about the Raptors, but it looks like they are severely overmatched in this series. Next game we're going to talk about is the Clippers and the Denver Nuggets. Round two, game one, Clippers blow the doors off of the Nuggets, 120-97. to This was a beating from start to finish. They beat them from pillar to post. Kawhi Leonard had 29 points in 32 minutes. Marcus Morris had 18 points. The newly crowned sixth man of the year, Montrez Harrell, had 15 points in 19 minutes. And Waldo George made an appearance. He had 19 points, seven rebounds, and four assists. So they were clicking. Everybody was playing well. The Nuggets could not buy a basket. They could not do anything offensively with this Clippers defense. The Clippers defense was all over them. Jamal Murray has a terrible game. He ends up with 12 points. And this is the problem that I've been talking about with Jamal Murray, is that you can have a series where you score two 50-point games, you have a 30-plus game, and then you do this. You cannot expect your team to go far if you're going to be the guy that scored 12 points. Jokic, 15 points, three rebounds. Where's the where's the offense? This is the issue with this Denver Nuggets team. And every time I hear somebody say, oh, Denver's really good, Denver's really good, they got some great young pieces. Yes, they have great young pieces. They don't have enough consistency 
and tread on those tires to be considered a real playoff contender. As much as I want to pick the Denver Nuggets to win this series, they are in over their heads and this may be a gentleman's sweep. The Clippers are going to roll over them if they're going to play like this. They have to come out with some more heart. Jamal Murray needs to show that dog that he showed in the first round. You can't just roll over like this. There may be a little bit of fatigue because that series was so great. It went seven. So let's see how they rebound in game two. Let's see if the Nuggets can be able to come out, have some confidence, see some shots go down, and maybe it'll be a different game. But what I saw in that first game, ugh, nasty ugly it felt like rec basketball where you're like you know you're up 30 and they have the 30 point rule where they're just gonna call the game and make sure the other game starts that's what it felt like to me it's like yo just just enough already just call off the dogs no mas i like the clippers attitude i like their demeanor i like the way they came out aggressive and really showed this denver team that this ain't dallas we're not going to take y'all lightly, and we're going to make sure that we punch you in the mouth from the opening whistle. We are not going to let up. We are going to put a nice beating on y'all. Nice beating. Turning our attentions to Game 7 of the first round series between the Houston Rockets and the Oklahoma City Thunder. Houston wins this one, 104-102. Harden and Westbrook struggle like I knew they would because it's a Game 7, and they choke up, and they fold like cheap loose-leaf paper. Harden had 17 points. Westbrook had 20 points, 9 rebounds. Eric Gordon put in 21 points. Robert Covington, 21 points as well. They got great production from their bench, from their role players. Jeff Green had 13 points. Everybody was clicking except the two big stars. For the Thunder, Shea Gildress Alexander had 19 points. My man Lugans Dort had 30 points. He was cooking all night. Chris Paul had a triple-double, 19 points, 11 rebounds, 12 assists. This was a good game. This was a really hard-fought game. But what was the turning point of this game is the end. I didn't understand what the hell happened at the end. Oklahoma City, they were sloppy. They were turning the ball over. The possessions just didn't look sharp. Chris Paul missed a nice float in the lane. That could have put them up and sealed the deal possibly. And then Robert Covington, he makes one out of two free throws. And here's the part that I didn't understand with OKC. And this is what I'm talking about, about coaching. Coaching is very important. Why the hell would you have Shea Gildress Alexander inbounding the ball in that situation? You need a veteran that can understand what's going on. Why wasn't Chris Paul doing it? Why wasn't Dennis Schroeder doing it? You need somebody that can be able to understand situations. I saw Jay Williams breaking down some tape, and he showed P.J. Tucker wasn't even guarding Steven Adams. He was like seven or eight feet off of Steven Adams looking at what's going on behind him. So you would think that if Shea understood what was going on, he would just lob the ball over the top. Forget about the play. The play's dead. That's the play right there. He has no idea that the ball is coming to Steven Adams. He has no confidence or no awareness to know that he's playing so off Steven Adams that it's a literally, it's a layup. It's a gimme basket. Then what happened was after he was playing off of him, then ended up fronting Steven Adams. So literally he's fronting him. Steven Adams has his hand up in the air. There's nobody protecting the basket. All you had to do was lob it over P.J. Tucker's head, let it bounce. Steven Adams would have caught it. It would have been a dunk. 
and the game is tied. The game is tied going into overtime. We don't know what happens. Chris Paul may get hot. He ends up probably scoring seven or eight points in overtime, puts this game away. OKC is going to the next round to play the Lakers. Instead, we have Houston moving on. They didn't impress me in that game. D'Antoni didn't impress me. The Stars didn't impress me. The role players did because they made some big, big shots. But Harden and Westbrook, they don't impress me. They are career bumblers and fumblers when it comes to elimination games. They have a history of this. And you're trying to tell me that this is a team that's going to beat the Lakers? <laughs> oh, man. Wow. So let's just go right ahead and start previewing this series, preview this game that's going on tonight. 9 p.m. tonight, Rockets and Lakers, game one of the second round. What do I have to say about this particular series? It's definitely a clash of two styles. You have a team that likes to play small ball. All they want to do is shoot a lot of threes, get up a lot of shots. If they're shooting 60 threes, they want to make sure they're making about 18 to 20 of those. If they can do that, it's going to be tough to beat them. They play scrappy defense. They get up in you. They get into passing lanes. They have a coach that does not make any adjustments, so they really have to play perfect basketball to end up winning a series. They played a team that nobody picked to make the playoffs at all, and they fought them tooth and nail and got to a game seven. How the hell can I be confident in this team beating the Lakers in seven games? I got the Lakers winning this series in five games. The Lakers are bigger. They are stronger. They have better star power. I'm not going to say that they have better role players, but they're better coached. How the hell can I follow basketball as closely as I do and pick Dan Tony to win a big series? I, I can't do it. Dan Tony looks like the guy to sell you life insurance door to door. That's what he looks like to you. You can't trust him. You can't trust anything he says. You can't trust anything that he puts on the paper for you to read. It's not going to work. It doesn't work. It's not effective. He's a snake oil salesman. That's who he is. I can't tell you how many times I've said it on the show that he does not make adjustments. He's not somebody that looks at the game tape and says, maybe I should do something different. No, no, we're just going to keep shooting threes. If we shot 50, and maybe if we would have shot 75 of them, we would have had a chance to win this game. That's how he thinks. This is not going to be a tough series for the Lakers to win. The only thing that they have to worry about is making shots. LeBron James and Anthony Davis are going to carry this series. Anthony Davis may average 35 and 15, 40 and 15. I can see that happening because how the hell can I expect P.J. Tucker to guard Anthony Davis the entire series? I can expect him to do a great job in a second half, you know, a couple quarters or so. But for an entire series, I can't see that happening. Same thing with Robert Covington. It's going to wear on them. And when they have to commit that much on defense, the offense is going to struggle. Those threes are going to start falling short. They're not going to be hitting them at a consistent rate. They are going to be in big trouble. And I don't see who's going to stop LeBron James. LeBron James is in playoff mode. He is officially in playoff mode. I can't see anybody on this, this Houston Rockets team that has a shot. Eric Gordon is going to check a chance. Covington, you're going to throw a whole bunch of other guys at him. It's not going to matter. It's not going to matter. Dwight Howard may have a big series, and you know that this is his ex-team. He's going to want to stick it to them. It's going to be so interesting to watch. I can't wait to see it tonight. I want to see what happens. And listen, if there's a game that Houston should steal, it should be game one. It shouldn't be any other game in this series except game one. But I can't see the Lakers falling asleep letting this team get some confidence in game one. I think that they're going to 
beat the hell out of them. They're going to beat them from pillar to post. There's going to be a lot of missed threes on the Houston Rockets front because they just played seven games. And man, oh man, I expect the Lakers to win this game by at least 15. If I hear another analyst or another pundit say, oh, the, the Lakers are going to have a heart... Stop. Just, just stop. You said it about Portland. You said it about Houston now. Just stop. We understand that we are on a collision course to see the Lakers and the Clippers in the Western Conference Finals. And whoever wins that series will be crowned the NBA champions, in my opinion. That's the end of it. I don't want to hear nothing about Houston. You got two stars that fold like cheap loose leaf paper. I don't want to hear about them anymore. Next series we're going to talk about are the Bucks versus the Miami Heat. Miami Heat are up 2-0 in this series. And man, oh man, did anybody expect this shocker to happen? Yeah, I did. I predicted the Miami Heat to win this series in six. This is no shock to me. You know why? The Miami Heat are a good team. They've been a good team all season. They're tough. They do not back down. They can get themselves back into games because they have three-point shooting. They have great perimeter defense. They are well-coached. They have a guy who is not a superstar, but he can get you a bucket. Jimmy Butler is just as good as anybody in this league. He can get you 40 one night. He can get you 50. He can score 20 consistently. You also have guys like Tyler Hero. He does not look like a rookie. This kid is fearless. Like, he does not understand what's going on right now. He's just playing basketball. He just thinks that, yeah, listen, there's no pressure. I can just go out there, be ready, hit a 20-foot jump shot, hit a clutch three when nobody thinks I'm going to make it, hit a fadeaway three-point in the corner. Eh, it's fine. This kid is special. Duncan Robinson is a guy that was a cast-off, undrafted. Kendrick Nunn, the same thing. They have a lot of guys that are lunch pail type of guys that are hardworking. They have to work for everything that they got. They have to fight and claw for everything that they get in the NBA. And they're not going to let anybody who feels that they're privileged or think that they're better than them, that they're the top seed or whatever it is, take it away from them. And that's what you're seeing in this series. They are hungry. They are dogs. And the Milwaukee Bucks, they aren't. They have a lot of finesse players. Brooke Lopez loves to shoot threes. He doesn't like to bang downstairs. Chris Middleton is the worst number two guy in the league. And you have Giannis Antetokounmpo, the defensive player of the year that doesn't want to guard Jimmy Butler. The defensive player of the year that chose to foul Jimmy Butler at the end of the game when he shouldn't have been in the position to foul him anyway. He shouldn't have been in the play at all. The defensive player of the year that has no impact on this series. So I'm bringing this up to say that I'm starting to question Giannis's basketball IQ. Giannis is a physical specimen. 6'11", has a long wingspan, can dribble, rebound, block shots, can't really shoot, but he can do everything else. But there's a lot of times that I watch him play, and there's a really important possession, and he over-dribbles, he doesn't see a double team coming and tries to force his way to the basket and turns the ball over. He can't shoot free throws because he's a terrible free throw shooter. He kind of reminds me of Russell Westbrook in that aspect. Is that Russell Westbrook is a physical specimen. He is an athletic freak. But his basketball IQ is not all there. He doesn't really have the smarts to be a great point guard. And that's why you see him do these bonehead turnovers or bad shot selection in crunch time. That's what he does. His basketball IQ is just not that high. His physical ability is out the roof. 
It's the same thing with Giannis. But Richard Jefferson brought up a great point. Is Giannis a number one or is he a really, really good number two? I'm still going to say that he's still a number one, but he's a number one with caution. He's a number one that comes with a lot of red tape. And what I mean by that is that it's not just clear cut where you can say, okay, Giannis is our guy. He's going to lead us to the promised land. A lot of things have to be in place for that to happen. You need yourself a really bona fide stud at number two. You need to have some dogs around Giannis to protect him. Because when he starts to break down mentally and you start to see that frustration, he needs some guys to be able to slap him in the face and say, listen, you're the guy. You're our leader. Let's get going to get him back into the mold. So I still think that he has a chance to be a great, great leader, a great player, maybe the next guy that owns the East and everything has to go through Milwaukee. Who knows? But for right now, it looks a little shaky. It really looks a little shaky. These last two years, which has been his best two years in the league, which he's won an MVP last year, a defensive player of the year this year, and all signs point that he's going to be the MVP this year. So we have to start seeing it. We can't just say, oh, Giannis is a beast. He's going to be a beast another two years from now. Right now, we need to see it. You're winning these awards now. You're dominating the game now. Everybody's talking about how special you are now. I don't care about what's happening in five years. I want to see how you get your team out of this hole now. Because if you don't, all of that stuff that I used to hear about him, all that tough guy shit that he doesn't like to fraternize with other players, he doesn't like to join super teams, I'm hearing rumblings that he may be leaving. He may end up joining the team that busts his ass in this round. And then what will you say about Giannis then? Oh, well, Giannis is a real one. He's an old school player. And yet he joins the, the team that busts his ass. KD style. What will you say about him then? Turning our attention real quick to the award winners, the latest award winners in the NBA. John Morant wins the Rookie of the Year. Kudos to him. He had a great season. The point God is the next up. He is a generational talent. I picked him to win Rookie of the Year even before Zion got hurt. He's much more polished than Zion is at this point. He's only going to get better. He's going to put on some mass. He's going to put on some bulk and be the next generational point guard. I think that he has that talent. I think this organization trusts him. They have the confidence in him to get better. He's only going to get better. And the sky's the limit for John Morant. Kudos to him. Congratulations. Up next, the NBA six-man award goes to Montrez Harrell. As I stated before, he had a great season. He's been tremendous for the Clippers last year, this year. Lou Williams won it last year. He could have won it last year as well. They have two guys that can basically just kind of trade the award back and forth to each other. So Lou took it last year, Montrez will take it this year, Lou will get it back next year, and so forth. So they have a great situation there, they have a great bench, they have great camaraderie. Montrez Harrell is in for a big payday. If it's not the Clippers, somebody else is going to give him the bag. So kudos to him, it's been a great season for him. The Clippers can cap this off with a championship and it'll be a banner year for everybody. So hats off to Montrez Harrell. Coming up after the break, the Nets pick their head coach. And I have a lot to say about it. On a Friday. It's all leaving. I am so stressed because I hate my job. Let me guess. You're at a dead-end job and find it hard not to press the snooze button? Well, come down to Connecticut School of Broadcasting. We have campuses in Westbury, New York, Boston, Connecticut, New Jersey, North Carolina, Georgia, and Florida. 
develop your skills in broadcast media that include audio production, television, radio, and sports broadcasting. Learn from industry professionals in a small, intimate class setting for a better experience. The hands-on training is second to none. And if you're worried about what to do after graduation, the Connecticut School of Broadcasting helps you to get job placement. Take it from me. It took me seven years to get here, and it's been the best time of my life. Go to GoCSB.com or dial 1-800-887-2346 for a studio tour. And who knows, maybe you'll be the next media superstar. Welcome back, y'all. So the Brooklyn Nets have a brand new head coach. Is it Greg Popovich? Is it Ty Lue? No, it's none of those guys. It is Steve Nash. Steve Nash agrees to a four-year deal to be the head coach of the Brooklyn Nets in a shocker. However, according to reports, Steve Nash has been close to this team for a couple years now. He's been a mentor and an advisor with the Golden State Warriors when Kevin Durant was there. Him and Kevin Durant have a great relationship. Kyrie Irvin as well. Kyrie Irvin, they both signed off on this. And Sean Marks loves him. He spoke highly of him, saying that he's a great leader. He's a great basketball mind. He has all the intangibles to be a great head coach. All of these things are great. And I'm not saying that Steve Nash may not end up being a great head coach. He may end up being the next Steve Kerr and win a couple championships with this Brooklyn Nets team in the next three or four years. But here's my issue. Why does Jacques Vaughn have to eat shit? This whole signing just gave me a bad feeling. It just left a bad taste in my mouth. I saw Jacques Vaughn do some special things with this young Brooklyn Nets team. He earned this job, and I don't understand why the Nets felt the need to make this bold of a move when you have a guy like Jacques Vaughn right there in front of you. And what makes it even more suspect to me is that they have paid Jacques Vaughn the highest amount that an assistant coach has ever received in this league. So he's the highest paid assistant coach in the history of the NBA. Why do that when you could have just had him as a head coach? You could have hired Steve Nash anyway to be Jacques Vaughn's lead assistant. And then guess what? After a year, after two years of being under Jacques Vaughn, every other team in the NBA is intrigued by Steve Nash's acumen as a coach, he would have got a job somewhere else. Or if Jacques Vaughn would have sputtered in a year and a half or so, Steve Nash will then take the reins and be the head coach of this team. But why does it have to be the other way around? Why do you need to pay Jacques Vaughn all of this money to actually be the coach in hiding? That's how I look at it. He's actually the head coach in the closet. He's the lead assistant, the highest paid assistant in the NBA to Steve Nash. Come on, man. Like I don't like when they do this. I didn't like it when the Knicks did it with Derek Fisher. I didn't like it when the Nets did it with Jason Kidd. I believe that players who want to be coaches need to take their lumps as coaches. Sam Cassell has been an assistant coach for years. He is a great assistant coach and he cannot get a decent interview or a real chance to get a job. Come on, what are we doing here? I am not trying to bash on Steve Nash. I think Steve Nash is one of the smartest NBA players to ever play this game. I think he has a great future as a coach. I'm just saying that a couple months ago or a year ago, Steve Nash was an analyst for soccer. 
All of a sudden, now he's the head coach of one of the most prominent franchises in the league, the most upcoming franchise in the league. Come on, man. I just don't like the way it looks. It just looks suspect. And poor Jacques Vaughn has to sit there and eat this shovel shit. He really does. He has to put on a face. He has to make sure that he's a company man and helps Steve Nash become the great coach that he's supposed to be. Nah, it's supposed to be the other way around. Let Jacques Vaughn get that rub. Let's keep it 100. How many people listening would work at a job and you're supposed to get the promotion? The boss comes to you and says, yo, I'm going to hire my friend because, you know, he needs a job and I'm going to pay you top dollar to make sure that you learn him the ropes so he can be the face of this particular department. So you're not going to get any credit for this. He's going to get all the credit, but you're going to be the one training him. So inside, we do know that that you're the guy that's 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 pushing this forward. You're the engine. You're the glue that keeps this department together. But this guy's the face. Yo, a lot of people be like, yo, fuck out of here. I'm leaving. I'm going somewhere else so I can be the face, so I can get the big money and be the face. I don't want to do all the grunt work and then you get all the glory. I just don't, I, I don't like the way it looks, man. It Like I said, it may turn out to be one of the best moves, the best coaching move that the Brooklyn Nets have ever done in their history. But I don't like what it does to Jacques Vaughn. I don't like it because I don't think that this is going to allow Jacques Vaughn to get another job somewhere else. They're just going to look at him like another assistant and pass him off. Just like how Jerry Stackhouse used to get passed over. Sam Cassell gets passed over. Mike Woodson. All of these guys. All of these guys that had to take these, these assistant roles just because they have to reset their, their value. And what has it done? It's kept them in the same position. While other people who have never coach a day in their life at any particular level can just walk into the NBA and say hey guys I want a job now okay nah and we are gonna see how this works out because Brooklyn Nets their two top stars are two of the weirdest enigmas you will ever find in any sport these are two guys that nobody can understand Kyrie Irving is the most moodiest asshole in the league. Kevin Durant makes burner accounts and has arguments with children on Twitter. Like, what are we doing here? And we putting poor Steve Nash, this poor Canadian, in front of this to be able to, to bring a kumbaya atmosphere and say, hey guys, let's get together. Let's come together, eh? And make sure that we get this going. Make sure that we create an environment that is peaceful and we can win a championship. <laughs> Steve Nash, good luck. Welcome to Brooklyn. Welcome to New York. When you struggle, they are going to come for your head. After the break, we're going to talk a little NFL. The Redskins cut a legend. Cam Newton is on cloud nine with the Patriots. Watson's about to get the bag. And Knucklehead Fournette finds a home. On a Friday, it's all leaving. Yo, yo, what up? It's your boy DJ G Money. Representing that Flip the Script podcast. But listen, right now I'm listening. I'm tuned in. I'm tapped in to a brand new podcast called the All Even Podcast with my man Barry Grant. Yo, B, what's up, man? Congrats on the new podcast. I'm listening right now. I'm tuned in. Fire. Fire. All Even. We here. Let's go. Welcome back, y'all. So every time I give the Washington football team a compliment, they always take like seven steps backward. In recent news, the Washington football team has cut Adrian Peterson. And I'm trying to understand why. Although he's 35 years old, Adrian Peterson is still very productive. And who do the Washington football team have 
to run the ball this season. They got the rookie Gibson. I, I guess that they're going to give him all the carries. But Adrian Peterson could have been a great story this year. A redemption story. The fact that he's 35 years old. He's playing at a high level. He's moving up that all-time rushing list. You have Alex Smith, who's also on the comeback trail. It's something positive to look forward to because the rest of this team is a dumpster fire. The rest of this situation is a dumpster fire. This organization is a dumpster fire. All of these things that are going on, you would have had two great stories, Adrian Peterson, Alex Smith. But no, you cut Adrian Peterson. What you gonna do next? Wait till Alex Smith clears and he's good and he can throw a ball again and everything's fine and you're gonna cut him too? I'm tired of this team. Why do they keep doing dumb stuff? Just leave Adrian Peterson alone. There was no reason to cut him. He could have been a mentor, a real shining light for the young running backs on your team, as well as get his numbers and move up the list so people can actually enjoy watching Washington play this year. Instead, you cut him. Okay. So where do we see him landing? Where do I possibly see him landing? I can see him going to the Texans. Or the Bears. I think the Bears need some veteran leadership in that backfield as well. David Montgomery still banged up. Tariq Cohen, he's a little guy. I think Adrian Peterson can really do some damage with the Chicago Bears. So hopefully they can turn to him to get something out of him. I know he's going to be very motivated. But it's just it's just sad to see because at this point of his career, this is going to happen more frequent. He's going to sign with somebody. They're going to cut him because he's 35 and he's expendable. No matter how great he is, no matter how great he's been, it's all about getting younger and who we can get to develop. They're not developing Adrian Peterson at this point. Maybe a contending team will take a flyer on him, but hopefully he sticks somewhere because I, I don't want the story to end here. I want him to continue playing. I want him to continue moving up that list and showing the world that at 35, 36, 37 years old, you can still be productive and people don't have to look at you like you're a leopard. Like you can't play anymore. Like you can't be trusted. Turning our attention to New England, Cam Newton has been named the starter for the New England Patriots. Kudos to Cam Newton. According to Bill Belichick, he has worked extremely hard. He's the hardest working player he's seen in a while. He's named him the captain. Bill Belichick is going over the moon to throw shots at Tom Brady. He, he's just raving about Cam Newton. But listen, it can work. The only problem is that I just don't like the weapons that they have there. Julian Elliman is 34 years old. He's just coming off of surgery. He's had a banged up season. He had the most drops in the NFL last year. The offensive line is not that great. Their running back situation is not that great. Sony Michelle is always hurt. Rex Burkhead is another one that's good, but he's always hurt. James White is the only reliable guy in that backfield. There are not many weapons offensively. So Cam Newton has a lot of work to do. He has to prove himself, one, that he can be a drop-back pocket passer because he can't go around and run the way he was doing back then. Yeah, you can put in some run packages and some option reads and things like that. You can throw some trickery, but at the end of the day, he has to be able to drop back, look his receivers off, go through his progressions, and make smart decisions with the football. He has to deliver accurate passes. Cam Newton has never been an accurate passer. He has completed 59% of his passes for his career. That's facts. So he has to make sure that he gets that up another 10%. 
for them to be effective, for them to have a chance to move the chains. 59% in this league is not going to cut it anymore. Because his athleticism is not where it was before, he needs to rely on that arm. He needs to be more accurate. So hopefully he can be able to turn the tide. He can be able to prove guys like me wrong because I don't know how much he has left. I really don't. I, I didn't like what I saw in the last years of, of Carolina. But then again, he was banged up. He wasn't used properly. So hopefully Bill Belichick can be able to restore him, return him back to the MVP form. And maybe New England can be able to restart their dynasty again. Maybe they'll win a Super Bowl before Tom Brady wins a Super Bowl in Tampa Bay. Turning our attention to the Houston Texans. The Houston Texans are negotiating or rumors that they're negotiating a contract extension with Deshaun Watson. Sounds like they're trying to get something in the neighborhood of the Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers range. They're not looking at, at Pat Mahomes money. And listen, that's okay. I think if he's willing to take that, that'll be a great deal for him. He's still going to be one of the highest paid players in the NFL, one of the highest paid quarterbacks in the NFL. He's looking for a short deal. He may look for like a three-year deal rather than a five or six-year deal. So we'll see what they actually come up with. But it just makes me, you know, be absolutely even more upset about Dak Prescott that he wasn't willing to negotiate this type of deal. If a guy that's coming after him is willing to take that type of range, why wasn't he? And we can honestly say that I think Deshaun Watson is better than Dak Prescott. He has more talent. He has a bigger arm. They are both kind of the same type of leaders in regards to their vanilla type of attitude. You got to be a quarterback. You got to be a leader. Got to say the right things. But I just, I will take Watson over Dak Prescott. That's just me. I think Watson is a better player. I think he has more upside to be really, really good. Probably one of the best quarterbacks to play this game. He has that type of potential. We, I don't see that type of potential in Dak Prescott. I think Dak Prescott can be a solid quarterback for 15 years. But in regards to being a great and all-time great, nah, I don't, I don't see that in Dak. Can he be that? Of course. Anybody can become great, but I just don't see it. Turning our attention to Leonard Fournette, the knucklehead that is Leonard Fournette. He has been released by the Jaguars, and he has found a home in Tampa Bay. He has signed a one-year deal with the Tampa Bay Bucks. The Bucks just keep adding talent. Who knows where this is going to end up, but according to Bruce Arians, Bruce Arians said that Ronald Jones is the starter and that Fournette is going to have to earn his keep. He's going to have to carve out a, a role in this offense. He's not going to be given anything, and I like that attitude. I like the fact that he has to prove himself. Just because he's a former number three pick and he was a star in Jacksonville doesn't mean that that shit is going to fly in Tampa Bay. Bruce Arians runs a very tight ship. He's not going to take any garbage in Tampa Bay from Fournette. Fournette has a, has a history of being a knucklehead. But listen, he's coming from Jacksonville. That is a dumpster fire that continues to burn. Continues to burn very, very hot and very bright. So I can understand why he may have wanted to get out of that place. So down the road for this team, they may have a deadly one-two punch that can really give them a chance to be a contender and possibly win the Super Bowl. Turning my attention real quick to the Dallas Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys have received news that Randy Gregory has been reinstated by the NFL. The defensive line just keeps getting better. If this knucklehead can keep his head on straight, man, the Dallas Cowboys have something special. They have a lot of pass rushers that can get to the quarterback. They'll be in the backfield all day. It's going to be a problem, man. It's going to be a lot of good things that are happening for Dallas if that defensive line is effective. 
Lots of great storylines for the NFL. Hopefully, we're going to have a good season. Fantasy football is going to be up and running. There's a lot of crazy people that get into that. I just got my ring in the mail for my 2016 win. So, you know, I could put that on my mantle and be proud of that because I'm retired now. I don't want to play anymore. I hate losing. After the break, the greatest segment on the planet, Dummy of the Week, on a Friday. It's all even. This is a public service announcement. Down in your luck? Tired of being curved? Sick of going out with the fellas and being the only loser without a lady? Well, I got something for you. It's called Sex Panther. Legend has it that it's made out of real bits of real panther, so you know it's good. To men, it stings the nostrils. But to women, you may as well be a slab of meat in a dog pound. And that's not all it does. You could be getting ready to see that special fox and disaster hits. No money in the budget for gas, only dinner for two. No problem. The fumes from Sex Panther can give your car 38 miles to the gallon. Sold you yet? I thought so. For $69.99, go from unlovable loser to the cock in the walk. Sex Panther. 60% of the time, it works. Every time. Welcome back, y'all. So without further ado, the greatest segment on the planet, Dummy of the Week. Dummy. Yeah. We pick candidates on Monday and Friday, and then we pick the winner on that Friday show. The pick is in. May I have the drum roll, please? And the winner is Kirk Cousins, quarterback for the Minnesota Vikings. Kirk Cousins is my, because Kirk Cousins thinks he's a tough guy. He said that if he gets COVID-19, if he dies, he dies. He doesn't care. He's not going to wear a mask. He's not going to protect himself. That's all good. But here's my issue with you, Kirk. It's not for you. It's for everybody else. So if your dumbass gets COVID, you can die by yourself. Don't infect anybody else. Don't infect anybody else's family member, anybody else's sick relative that they have there. You can die in a ditch if you want to. That's my problem with you. I hate these fake tough guys that want to beat their chest and think that they're the greatest thing since sliced bread. Bro, you're not tough. You're really not. I heard stories about you. I heard Ryan Clark air you out on TV. He said that if he had 10 guys to pick to be in a foxhole with, you wouldn't be one of them. That is a mean shot. And I can't blame him because... Guys that beat their chest like this and talk real aggressive and do this to like get clicks or whatever it is, they end up being the smallest puppies in the kennel. That's who you are, Kirk Cousins. You're the guy that will talk a whole bunch of garbage when somebody's not in your face. But as soon as that guy is in your face, no, everything's cool, bro. Everything's cool, bro. It's a misunderstanding. The ignorance in that statement, you know how many people lost their lives? I've had friends that have that their families have been devastated by this. And for your dumbass to say that, it confirms what a piece of shit you are. You're a Kevin. <laughs> Kirk Cousins is a Kevin. He's one of those guys that goes to the store where I'm not gonna wear a bath. And this is America. This is America. I'm not supposed to be able to wear it. I can't breathe in one of those things. I can't do it. I have a medical condition. I have a medical condition that I, I'm not supposed to wear this. And then they go into the aisle mask and then they throw all the mask on the floor and then they walk out because they can't be served. They will not be able to get what they want if they don't wear a mask. That's Kirk Cousins. 
You have a luxury, you dumb rich idiot, that you can be able to send somebody else into danger to go get your groceries. You don't actually have to go. I hate people like Kirk Cousins, but you are a symbol of what's wrong in this country. There's a lot more people that think like you, that walk around hunky-dory, that don't believe that there's anything wrong, and then they're asymptomatic, and then get somebody else sick, and then it spreads, and then now we have a bigger issue. I would love to meet your agent, because that's the guy who that brokered that, that deal for you. Because I know that your dumbass can't even count socks, much less broker a deal like that. When you have ex-teammates that come at your neck like that, it really says something about you. I can only imagine what your ex-girlfriend say about you. <laughs> oh man so Kirk Cousins you may be a loser to your wife in the bed and a loser to a lot of other people but you're a winner for dummy of the week that's all for this week I hope y'all have a good Labor Day weekend I'll see y'all back on Monday until then stay safe stay cool peace you can catch me on Twitter and Instagram at All Even Podcast. Listen to the show on SoundCloud. And check out my YouTube channel, All Even Podcast. And don't forget to share, like, and hit that subscribe button. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.